Welcome to this PFP podcast. PFP work with over 4,000 accountancy practices in the UK um, and we can provide you with access to a large team of R&D experts and specialists. We run these podcasts to provide our member firms and selected guests with a useful and practical update on the world of R&D tax relief. Um, Should you wish to speak to us about the topics discussed in this podcast or find out how we might be able to help you with your R&D claims, and don't hesitate to give us a call on 0345 307 1177. We hope you enjoy the podcast. My name is Derek Granger. I'm one of the managers at PFP R&D. And I'm joined today by Alex Price and Malcolm Henderson from Forrest Brown, who are our partners um, for our R&D offering. So first of all, Alex, how are you? I am very well, Derek. Thank you very much. Good, good. And Malcolm, good yeah. to have you along. How Thank are you? you? Yeah, absolutely fine. Thanks for inviting me. Excellent. So what, what we're doing today, um, we have just finished up doing um, one of our regular R&D webinars. Um, and as we always do, we get more questions than we can answer in the hour that we have. So um, we're going to touch on some of the, the stuff um, that we went through. The, um, the webinar itself was um, based on the impacts of grants on R&D tax credit claims. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll go into that in a little bit of detail um, and we'll um, try and answer all of those questions that we didn't manage to answer on the uh, webinar. Um, so Alex, first of all, um, in terms of the impact of grants on R&D tax credit claims, what would be the, the kind of the main thing you would want to get across to people? Okay, I, I think the main takeaway is there is a misconception um, out there uh, amongst many people that if you receive a grant, then it automatically stops you from making a claim for R and D tax credits. Um, we've seen this in practice with uh, you know calls from accountants, calls from clients asking us this specific question, saying that they, they you know their understanding is a grant scuppers an R&D tax credit claim. Um, That's not the case at all. Um, A grant does add complexity to an R&D tax credit claim, but it doesn't stop it. Um, What it potentially means is that a claim is made under the large company scheme rather than the small company scheme. The small company scheme is, uh, well, can be pretty generous, up to 33% of qualifying expenditure, whereas a large company scheme uh, claim is worth around about 10% of expenditure. Um, and what happens is a grant can push either all of a claim into large company, so less generous, or a portion of the, of the claim into the large company scheme. So the simple answer is, in terms of grants, they don't stop an R&D tax credit claim, but they can have an impact and it can reduce the value of an R&D tax credit claim. And it's, it's really, really important to get a claim correct where there's a grant involved. Yeah, I think that's um, that's one of the, the things that we hear quite often when we're out speaking with accountants is that they think, oh, well, the client's received a grant, so therefore they just can't make a claim. And, and, and that's just not the case. It can be, but... Um, Anything you'd like to add to that? Absolutely, yeah. Um, we like to see the documentation of the grant, the offer, and the actual documentation, etc., so that we can actually drill down and see the impact of the grant on any client's R&D claim. So it's pretty important that we yeah. see that. I think that was something that um, that you guys touched on uh, on the webinar that um, I would like to just kind of um, go over a li- in a little bit more detail. 
and is that willingness on on at your end um, to speak with people regardless of whether or not it turns into a claim? Um, and that's something that I, that I think Alex, you would quite like for people to to, to really kind of understand. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we're really passionate about R and D, and we like spending time talking to people about it. So. If there are any accountants out there or clients of accountants that um, have any questions about R&D tax relief in general or any specific questions about grants, um, please feel free to get in touch. Our billing structure means that we only ever bill or invoice on a successful claim. So if you phone in for a little bit of advice or just to bounce some ideas off us, as I said, we're passionate about R&D about tax relief. Um, we're keen to talk to as many people as possible about it. Uh, so if we have a general conversation with you um, and it doesn't go anywhere, there'll be no charge. I mean, but what we'd like to do is, you know, be able to offer you support and assistance so that you're happy to refer clients into us and then we can make some successful claims for your clients um, and, and help them with their funding requirements. Brilliant. And um, that, that leads on actually quite well to one of the questions that we, we were asked. Um, which is um, when you what when you define the benefit when you talk about the, the fee that you ch you charge um, is that on the R and D uplift um, or on R and D cash payment um, in respect of a loss making company? So you can explain a little bit more. Yeah, it's the benefit the client receives. Um, so if they receive ten thousand pounds, then our fee will be two thousand pounds, and that covers everything from the highly unlikely event of an HMRC interest then it would cover dealing with that as well. So, um, And one of our big unique selling points is that we build client up to exceed the money. Yeah, so they don't have to pay anything up front at yeah. all. Yeah, so you know, in, in that situation, <coughs> the actual benefit we would see as the corporation tax reduction. So that's either the reduction in the future liability. So you know, we're doing a claim for right now for a company, let's say with a December 17 year end, their payment date would be the 1st of October 2018. So they've not paid anything, um, but we can reduce that CT liability. So there's a benefit there in that they have to pay out less. Um, frequently, we go back two years because there's a two year window to make a claim. And at that point, you'll have a client who's, you know, you'd like to think of paid their corporation tax liabilities for the previous two years. So if we do the R&D claim for the previous two years and it leads to a corporation tax reduction, that will in turn lead to a refund of corporation taxes of, of the tax they've paid. So in that instance, that's the benefit there. Um, and then you have the other situation where you have loss-making companies. Um, they can make R&D claims as well because the way the legislation works is you can surrender losses for a cash credit, um, which is really, really important. Um, in some ways, you can probably imagine it as a uh, bringing forward loss relief in terms of the mechanism. You're actually giving your losses up now for a cash credit from the government. Um, so in a loss-making position, a company will still get cash. Uh, and in that um, position, you know, the benefit there is the cash received. There's a couple of other you know, times where we can work out the benefit in a, in, a, in a slightly different way. But there we look at things like group relief, where it gets a little bit more complicated in terms of who's getting the benefit and when. Um, in terms of when perhaps losses are crystallising, but those main two ones I spoke about, that's pretty much the benefit. Excellent. Um, one of the, the questions that we got um, that I think is worth touching on um, is the, the differences between um, grant bodies' um, definitions of an SME and um, the definitions of SME for R&D tax relief. Malcolm, do you want to...? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, as Derek said, the EU is simplistically 250 um, 
employees or less. Um, HMRC have got their own legislation which doubles both the employee numbers and the financials from 43 and 50 million to 86 and 100 million euros. Yeah. So that's quite useful for UK businesses really. Yeah, which is a great thing, I guess, because that means yeah. more companies can qualify for the SME. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a really really good bit of evidence how attractive or how happy the government are in terms of the R and D tax credit scheme. So what they've done, they've taken the EU um, boundaries, two hundred and fifty employees, for example, and actually said we want more companies to qualify for SME, so we're going to double it to five hundred. So a lot of grant bodies will use the EU legislation. What's an SME? Um, but for R&D tax relief in the UK, we double it um, up to 500 and, and those financial tests that Malcolm mentioned. So I, I think it's a really good sign. And I think it's, it's actually one of the good things the government has done. And yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a really good thing. Do you think there's much confusion with clients between the, 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 the different rates, between the, the, the grant rate and the, the R&D rate for the UK? Yeah, I've, I've had instances where companies have specifically um, used a web search, you know, what is an SME, uh, and they've come across the EU legislation um, and seen an SME as being 250 or lower than 250, and these companies are more than 250 but less than 500. So they're thinking they could only claim under the large company scheme, which is worth around about 10% of expenditure, was actual, in fact, they could claim under the SME, um, which is up to 33%. So, you know, I've got a specific couple of examples there where that has really been a factor in whether the company wanted to invest the time uh, and the resources in making an R&D tax relief claim. Yeah, and I guess, that, would that be something that would have to be taken into account then if you're, if you're trying to decide whether or not a grant or, a, or, or the R&D tax relief um, scheme is, is going to be the better option for the client? Well, really, I mean, we, we come across quite a few startup companies before they've actually even prepared a set of accounts. So we can tell them, you know, get a projection from your accountant, etc., of, of your spend and compare the, the possible R&D relief you can receive under the SME scheme, HMRC scheme, and the grant um, because you want to benefit from the most. It's a, it's a difficult decision because sometimes you want the 10K grant now rather than the 50K R&D relief over four or five years. So it's down to choices and your expected projected spend. So. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's whether you want to play the, the kind of short game or the, yeah, the long exactly, game, yeah. game sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of the actual types of grants, um, can you can you give us just a, a little bit more, um, or can you expand on on the different types of grants that, that are available? Yeah, um, might need your help here, Malcolm, in just terms okay. of the sheer volume and number of grants. I mean, there's yeah. there are literally, I don't know, 10, we, 20, 30, 40, hundreds of different grants. Oh, absolutely. We come across yeah. a new type of grant virtually every week. Um, mm. There are various bodies paying grants, obviously the state, um, but we have research councils, um, charitable trusts. So, you know, the state ones we need to look closely at, state aid, but the, the charitable ones uh, and... Um, the research councils, we just need to consider those slightly less impact mm. on the R&D claims. But but yes, um, there are many yeah. out there, new ones every week. And there's, there's loads of variables, aren't there? There's not only the funding body, um, there's the variable of where the funding body gets its money from, whether it's the government or the EU. Then there's what sort of grant is it? Does it relate to a capital project or does it relate to a uh, you know some revenue expenditure so so basically does it give money to, for, for a company to buy a machine or is it giving it to 
to basically help with a staff project. There's there's environmental grants. There's there's staff development grants. I mean, yeah, I, I don't think we could probably put a figure on how many different type of grants there are. Out no, there. absolutely. Um, we know that EU grants like Horizon 2020 and Framework Programme Seven are simply a subsidy of pound for pound reduction in the claim. But and there's a big but. If it's paid by a UK entity like the Regional Growth Fund, Regional Development Fund, Local Enterprise Partnership, it can turn it into a state aid because that UK entity chooses who receives it. Yeah, and I think that's really important. So, you, you know, whenever we do a claim where there's a grant involved, we always ask to see all the paperwork. Because um, Malcolm's just mentioned a word there about you know, notified state aid. That's really important. So to do a, a, an R&D tax credit claim correctly where there's a grant, you need to see the paperwork and you need to be able to work out whether the grant is seen as notified state aid or not notified state aid. Um, without that, you're probably doing the claim incorrectly, which could lead to uh, an inquiry and nobody wants an inquiry on an R&D tax credit claim. This, um, this brings us on to one of the questions that we got, which um, I'm fairly certain that you guys will be able to answer. Um, are grants that are awarded under the general block exemption regulations to be treated as notified state aid? under section 1138 CTA 2009 or not? Malcolm? Uh, yeah. The short answer is yes, they are state aid. Yeah, GBR is just a different way of notifying the EU, uh, a sort of less bureaucratic way. Um, so yeah, if you receive a, a grant under GBR, general block exemption, and then basically it's a state aid. It needs to be considered and we need to look closely at exactly mm. what it was for. Yeah, I, th I think it's it's probably the name does it a disservice there because it's called general block exemption. Mm. So you kind of think it's exempt from something. Yeah. And people think it's exempt from being treated as notified state aid. It's not. All it is is exempt from a, from the more onerous reporting, but it is still reported. Absolutely. So it's an easy trap to fall into. You say to somebody, oh, that's a, that's a block exempt grant. And you kind of think, okay, that means it's uh, not notified. Whereas in fact, it is notified. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that PEF do is, is, is um, we offer accountancy firms the opportunity to have a free client review meeting um, with one of the, the R&D experts where we can look at things like that. So, you know, if there are clients that, that um, have had grants or, you know, just clients that, that may or may not qualify, um, it really does give accountants the opportunity to review, review their, their clients um, and to see if, the, if there is anything there. Um, you don't need to be a PFP client to take advantage of this. Um, we, we, we offer it to, to all accounts firms. Um, and if you do want to arrange a, a free client review, all you need to do is give us a call. Um, it's, uh, the number is 0345 307 1177 um, or you can email us at info at pfprd.co.uk. Um, one thing that I also thought would be quite important for us just to chat about while we're, we're here today is um, an upcoming deadline um, that is very important for accountants and their clients. Alex? Yeah, absolutely. So um, 31st of March should, uh, well, perhaps fills some people with dread. Um, it's setting probably busiest time of the year after the 31st of December for company year ends. Um, and what accountants need to realise is that there is a two-year deadline following the end of the accounting period to make an R&D tax relief claim. So, coming up to 31st of March 2018, companies with the 31st of March 2016 year-end should be thinking, 
have I been doing R&D? Are there qualifying activities and qualifying spend? If so, should I be doing an R&D tax relief claim? Simple answer is yes. Um, so where are we? With the first sort of week of February, I think this is an ideal time for accountants to cast their eye over their client list. You know, look at all clients, but really specifically look at those with a, the 31st of March year end, potentially those with the 28th of February end as well, and think about what does this company do? You know, have I had any conversations with this client lately where, you know, that the person my contact there has been talking about headaches that they've been experiencing trying to get a production line working or a bit of new product development? If you get anything like that, then please get in touch with us because we can help you and assess whether there's a, a qualifying project. Um, we can assess quantification process and then we can work with you to put a claim in before the deadline. I think that's really important to, uh, to understand that deadline. Yeah, welcome. Anything you want to add to that? I was only going to say, of course, 31st of March 16 means uh, expenditure from the 1st of April 15, so nearly three years already um, that we could be looking at claims. Mm. Excellent. So just um, kind of finishing off with some of the, the, the questions that we had on um, grants, um, is there a distinction between engaging agency staff and subcontractors for R&D claim purposes? Mm. Interesting question. So, if we start with the usual claim, so just a normal SME claim, then you can claim subcontractors and externally provided workers. Um, usually, they are limited to 65% of the costs, uh, just because that's the way the legislation works. Um, and the difference is really, I suppose, for a subcontractor, they're doing a specific part or specific task. Um, within the R&D, an agency worker is just under your control, so it could be doing anything. So that's the normal way of looking at things. And I think what's important to understand, though, is if a grant has been received, it could flip some of that expenditure into the RDEC scheme, the large company scheme. And in this situation, I think Malcolm can talk a little bit more about what happens with subcontractors if a grant's been received. Right, yeah, thanks. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the relief is still available if you subcontract um, work to another entity, but we're solely looking at individuals, partnerships, or other institutions like the NHS or a university or something like that. The upside is there's no 65% restriction. Mm -hmm. You can claim up to 100%. Um, but in that same sentence, I should mention, bizarrely, in those cases, EPWs are still restricted for 65%. Mm. Um, so there's quite a few hiccups there. Yeah. And there's quite a lot to consider around those, those points. Yeah, definitely. So, so you're probably getting quite complicated there in terms of the actual, not only the technical position, but the actual mathematics of the claim in terms of then trying to quantify it. Um, we see this quite frequently. Um, you know, As R&D experts, uh, we're, this is quite common for us. Um, Perhaps an accountant who doesn't do too much R and D, this could really lead to, uh, you know, get getting things you know, incorrect um, and an inquiry. Absolutely. The um, I, I was going to sort of add there basically that where the subcontractor or external provider work is connected, again, we need to consider the cost very, very carefully hmm. um, because there's a lot of unusual hiccups and yeah. hoops to go through on that front, um, yeah. and this is where we hope we can help. Um, another question that, that 
well, not um, specifically related to the to, to grants mm -hmm. um, and, and and how they, they affect a, a claim. Um, is um, asking about qualifying expenditure and um, what types of things qualify. And I, I think this is a really important one because um, I see this often um, with accountants. You know, everybody knows that staff costs are, are you know generally the the, the biggest. Um, qualifying expenditure but what other things should accountants be looking out for because there's a lot of stuff that's been missed out isn't there mm -hmm. yeah 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 absolutely um i mean we, we we often see on a lot of websites of r d providers like talk about three types of expenditure but i would often argue about seven actually um staff costs the highest salary gross salary employers and i pension com com company pension contributions uh, bonuses theoretically and um, reimbursed expenditure. Um, then we have subcontractors, 65% in most cases, extended workers. Um, consumables, which cover utilities, um, as in heat, light, water. Um, software used in R&D. And also uh, materials that are, tend to be wasted or scrapped in the R&D um, development. Um, but quite often there, we need to look a little bit closer again as to the type of product that's that's being produced, prototype, first of class, process, etc. So again, we need to be careful as to what we're claiming there. Um, and then we have some more unusual ones, contribution to independent research, but that falls under the solely under the, the large scheme, and um, payments to clinical trial volunteers, which we see in the life science, animal science sectors. Excellent. Alex, anything else? I mean, that, that's... I think that's fairly comprehensive, Yeah, Malcolm. pretty it's, much uh, is, yeah. I think it's 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> and lastly, I think just uh, in terms of the, the, the type of um, industries where claims can be made, it's probably easier, I guess, in some ways, to, 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 to say industries where claims can't be made because it's, yeah. it's so wide-ranging, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the biz guidelines uh, specifically only exclude a very few sectors, and they're the arts and humanities, and possibly maths, mm. mathematics. Um, but even again, in some of these sectors, there could be a, an e-commerce platform or something like that that's used to, to sell the wares, the goods, the products, etc. So even though the main trade might not qualify, um, something they've done can qualify. Yeah. So we we talk, we we've seen a few psychology claims, for instance, and you think, oh, humanities, but they've produced or created a, a platform. Um, that gives answers to various psychological problems. So, again, uh, don't discount a lot mm. of stuff, really. Yeah. That's slightly disappointing, right enough, because I have been taking some uh, singing and uh, guitar <laughs> lessons, um, and I was told by my uh, guitar teacher that they'd never heard anybody quite like me. <laughs> <laughs> so, while, while it may be innovative, you're not talking about Eric no, I don't think it was a compliment. <laughs> all right. Um, so um, on that, um, I'd just like to thank you all for listening in. Um, one thing to mention just before we go, um, we will be doing um, a, a, um, a series of UK-wide seminars, which will be joint R&D and capital allowances tax relief um, seminars. We've got 10 of them across the UK. Um, you can find out more about them and sign up for them by going to our website, pfponline.com, and if you go to the event section, you'll be able to see um, the webinars, uh, the seminars that we have, um, and like I say, you can just sign up for them online. Alternatively, um, if you really want to go, but 
um, you don't have time to go on your website, um, just ping us an email and we can arrange for an invoice to be sent to you. Um, from myself, I'd just like to say thanks very much um, for listening in. I hope you found that useful. We look forward to, um, to, to you joining us again for our future podcasts and webinars. Um, and I'll just pass you back to Alex to say goodbye, first of all. Goodbye, first of all. <laughs> and welcome. And also from me, and thank you very much for listening. Take care. Bye now.